Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. They say happy mummy, happy baby. And I can tell you that when my baby slept, I was one happy mummy. And sleeping was something they always did well. In fact, so keen was I on getting them to sleep that I brought them a natural mat mattress to make them as comfortable as possible. So I'm delighted that this episode is sponsored by Natural Mat Baby, who've been hand-making 100% natural and organic baby and children's mattresses from their Devon workshop for over 20 years and were the first company in the UK to create a completely natural nursery mattress. These mattresses combine carefully selected natural materials, including organic coir, natural latex and organic lamb's wool for supreme comfort and breathability. Did you know babies can't regulate their body temperatures, so it's super important that they sleep on a mattress that helps them do this. Natural mats materials are naturally breathable and self-ventilating, helping your baby get the good night's sleep that all of you need. Hypoallergenic, completely chemical-free, these mattresses are the ideal choice for your baby and you. Confession, I saw how well my baby slept and so I bought myself a topper from their adult range and it's dreamy. Learn more about the importance of a natural night's sleep at naturalmat.co.uk or head to their Notting Hill showroom to have a browse. Listeners can receive 20% off their first purchase of all mattresses and bedding in Natural Mat's nursery category by using the code PARENTHOOD20, all capital letters, at checkout online or in store. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. Hands up if your attitude to work changed after you had a child. It certainly did for me. My business, which was once upon a time my baby, was replaced by a real life baby and I was no longer able or willing to give it all my energy. That had to be reserved for my actual family. I realised that my career had to coexist with my family and if it were an either or situation, I was in the lucky position that I could choose my family. And yet, does it have to be an either-or situation? The pandemic has shown us that employees can shift to home offices and adapt their hours to better fit their lifestyles without compromising productivity. So why can't this carry on? My guest today believes it should, and that flexible working is the future, benefiting not only the workforce, but their employers too. Olivia Bath is a communication specialist and the founder of The Women's Vault, supporting women in their quest for roles in leadership, employee well-being and guiding businesses in development programs. Olivia, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so happy to be having this conversation. Uh, so thank you very much for speaking up, writing about what you do, but also coming along to The Parenthood today. Thank you, Marina. It's such an exciting time to be a part of the conversation around flexible work and what 
employers can be doing and what working parents can be looking forward to when it comes to flexibility. So I think so much, so many women end up not getting the right amount of flexibility because they just don't know what exists. It's a relatively new and certainly relatively newly accepted notion of work. So I'd love to just go through what flexible working means. What are the options? What are we talking about when we talk about flexible working? Yes, so there are quite a few different types of flexible working and particularly since the pandemic, we've seen even more types of flexibility open up. So there are staggered hours, compressed hours, job share, part-time and remote working, fully remote working. And I specialise in helping women to negotiate compressed hours It's something that I did when I returned from maternity leave in 2019 to one of Australia's top four banks. And essentially compressing hours means that you condense or compress your working week from five days into four days so that you then have one day off to spend with your child, to spend with your elderly parents or any other caring responsibilities that you have. Um, A nine-day fortnight is also another typical example of compressed hours. And I have interviewed a woman recently who works for Transport for London. And at TfL, it's actually very common to do a nine-day fortnight. What it means is that you work longer days. And so you do need to be careful of things like burnout and exhaustion and really managing your energy But it is possible and it is possible to adjust to this work pattern, even though when I sometimes talk about it, people say, gosh, that sounds really intense. What I find when I talk to women about it is they have a light bulb moment and they say, wow, I'm actually doing those hours anyway, but I'm not getting paid for them. And so this is why I'm so passionate about talking about compressed hours as a flexible work option. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely got spoken to lots of friends who've gone back into, you know, very often the banking, the financial services sector, and they're maybe working four days or sometimes even three days a week. And essentially what happens is that they do a full time job, but they don't get paid for a full time job. They're only being paid for how many days a week they're doing. And also they don't get the respect of being full time. I think there's a bit of a stigma, certainly if it is a female taking, you know, more flexible working, um, uh, that they're just not truly committed. And I remember talking to a friend of mine and she said, it's just so difficult because they spend a lot of time socializing and having lunches and doing these things that are relatively important for the job, but not crucial. And she says, I'm just so anxious to get home that I come into the office and I am so efficient that I get it all done. It just takes me less time, but I'm not remunerated or respected for doing that. Yes, I think that is such a common challenge. And compressed hours, because you are doing a full-time role, you do have the respect of your peers and that the fact that you are able to progress your career and you're exactly right around women who work part-time they feel that they are left behind in some way they feel excluded they feel that they're not going to get opportunities in meetings that they may not be in to manage a project and so doing compressed hours really does allow you that career progression that work-life balance and also the the compensation so you are receiving your full-time salary your pension that goes with that which makes a huge difference in the long and short term 
And you also save money on the day that your child, for example, isn't in nursery or, or childcare. So the women that I work with, they save around two to three thousand pounds per year. That's a month's salary that they are saving. And what that means is that they are then able to take a family holiday once a year. They are able to pay off the mortgage a little bit sooner. And I know from my own experience of working compressed hours and working with other women, they remember the Friday afternoon swimming lessons that they took their child to. They don't remember the meeting that they're necessarily missing. And I feel so privileged to play a part in that, particularly when we feel so stretched for time and we only have moments when we're working before and after we take our child to school or nursery, which can sometimes be quite tense. And so this allows you to have that real quality time together and do something that you both enjoy. For me, I used to throw on a load of washing in the middle of a hectic week, strap George on the baby Bjorn on front of me and take him for a walk in the park, which was really nice time for both of us. And actually it meant that I had a bit of a break as well. And my husband and, I, and son, um, George, we'd all go to the pub that evening, which meant that we could all connect as a family. So that one day is can be so important in the middle of a really um, busy week, as I said. And I think back to the point, um, Marina, is, is the full-time pay and being able to save on daycare fees is so important because right now we're in a childcare crisis we saw over 100,000 people petition the government this year around the cost of childcare. And unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be moving anywhere soon on that, unfortunately. And so I think we need to look at other ways that we can work the system to our own advantage and see what things we can do um, to be more empowered in a situation that we can't control. Well, I mean, we're speaking in a week where Stella Creasy took her child to the House of Commons and was reprimanded for it. And, you know, on the one hand, I can see that actually, if you're really going to focus on your work, having a baby there is not necessarily always the best, you know, fine if they're sleeping, but we all know that they're often not. But I do feel for her because, you know, any one of those other MPs could have paid a chauffeur to drive them to the House of Commons, and that is a tax-deductible expense. But for Stella Creasy or any other parent who needs to organise the childcare so that they can go into work, having a, a, a nanny or a nursery is not a tax-deductible expense. And it feels incredibly unfair and short-sighted if the government are really you know, trying to encourage parents back into the workplace. Oh, absolutely. And I think not having that female voice representing us and representing working parents is a real risk. And one of the key issues that I see is that when when working parents are put in situations like this, it's actually the employer that misses out because they lose their top talent. They lose that female representation. And if we are going to keep moving the dial on women in leadership, something has to give. And I really felt uh, for Stella Creasy this week because I, I have seen 
women um, making quite judgmental comments to her and and you think that is a woman who any working parent is is vulnerable and I just think uh, she's in a really tough situation and and I feel for her because I have been in tough situations like that as a working parent and I'm sure you have too and we're all just trying to juggle to make it work so well she's it's, also it's been a really she's also very effectively making a point <laughs> yes um uh, so Olivia just quickly so obviously compressed hours are definitely a kind of option which I'm sure a lot of people weren't uh, aware of job sharing how how likely is that to work I mean that's presumably two people sharing one job how how, how does that work in real life so there was recently some press published around two women who work at John Lewis at the moment and they job share and they come as a package. So any uh, employer that they're looking to work for, they come together as the complete package. And I think it's fantastic because it really enables more women to re-enter the workforce because it means that they have that flexibility there. And I know certainly for myself, I was told when I came back from maternity leave that my role is full time. So either job share or do it in compressed hours. They were my choices. And so I think if we can do anything to encourage more women back into the workforce and it enables them to work the hours that they want to work, it means that they can have a a partner that they work in close um, partnership with. You can understand each other's strengths and weaknesses and support each other in that way and I think it's it's really uh, a win-win on all sides as long as you can find that person that you can can partner with and it would be fantastic to see more organizations offering this or being open to this. I interviewed uh, recently on my Instagram uh, Louise Deverell Smith who is the founder of the Daisy Chain, which is a recruitment platform that actually partners businesses with those people who want to work flexibly. Now, she has 10,000 people, mainly women, on her platform, and that includes things like job shares. So businesses are becoming more and more receptive to what's possible. And I think they need to do that if we're going to have more women returning to work, particularly after maternity leave. And in terms of part-time working, I mean, obviously the downside is, you know, I've just told you about that sort of you're you're being paid less, you're possibly being respected less, and you're often working more than for your being paid. But how does how does that generally work? Would you say that's a sort of good compromise or? Yes, absolutely. If you want to work part-time, then that if that works in your role, I think one of the key challenges are that often women will return to work and their their role remit and their KPIs aren't necessarily adjusted to the role and so they end up working more hours than what what they are being paid one of the one of the women that I've worked with uh, this year she has negotiated a part-time compressed uh, work week so what she does is she works uh, four days in three 
And again, that's an option that allows her great flexibility, but it also means that she's compensated for the work that she is doing. And one of the things that I'm really passionate about is is women advocating for themselves when they are doing more hours than what they're actually being paid for. And I think that if we don't do that, and I know it's not always easy, but it, it, it does exacerbate the issue of women being unpaid. And we know uh, recently it was Equal Pay Day and and from the 18th of November until the end of the year, women aren't being paid, we're effectively not being paid because of the gender of the gender pay gap. And so it's really important that we do call out these issues and we discuss them and that women don't um, unnecessarily try to exacerbate the issue and, and, and talk about it openly and say to their boss, look, I'm working actually five more hours a week. That's three quarters of a day. I would like to be compensated for that. Can we have a conversation? I was reading this week that Atom Bank have initiated a four-day week across their whole workforce. So I think they can choose whether they take Mondays or Fridays off, but they're saying that actually it's about efficiency. It's about working really hard, not necessarily having compressed hours, but if necessary, having that. And they don't anticipate that their output is going to be affected at all. They just feel that the amount of work um, can be compressed into those four days and that the benefit then for their employees of having a a three-day weekend as opposed to a two-weekend is going to be much greater. Yes, it's so exciting to read that financial institutions are leading the charge on this and are offering that flexibility. And I think often, Marina, this is where it starts in that people want to work more flexibly, but one of the key barriers to that is that businesses need to champion flexible work, they need to make it available, and they need to have a culture that fosters flexible working. So the culture piece is absolutely imperative. And that is also imperative with women feeling like they're missing out or they feel that they are able to receive that career progression that they would love to have because their career is such a key part of their identity. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about um, staggered hours. I'm not quite sure what you mean by staggered hours. What what are they? Yeah, so staggered hours are when you may start later. So, for example, if you do the morning run, you the morning run, the morning school run, you may um, you may uh, start work at 10 o'clock and then finish at 6.30 p.m., for example. So your hours are shifted around depending upon the flexibility that you would like. So you're still doing your contractual hours. It's this, it's that you are staggering them or starting them at different start and finish times um, to reflect your contractual hours. Okay. And what about a phased return? Talk to me about what that is. Yes. So a phased return is brilliant. And I would always recommend a phased return to my clients where possible. So a phased return is when you return typically from maternity leave or perhaps a career break and you start on fewer days for example three days and you work your way up over a series of months or weeks uh, into a four-day week role or a five-day week role so it really enables you to get comfortable working again it gets you comfortable in terms of 
managing uh, your hours, engaging with your stakeholders, all of those sorts of things, um, whilst at the same time having that balance. So it means that you are effectively preparing yourself to return back to the workforce and hopefully have some work-life balance along with it. And then obviously remote le- uh, remote learning, remote working <laughs> is something that we've all become very familiar with um, since the pandemic. Is that something that people are open to the idea of? Some, some businesses are and some aren't. I have spoken with multiple businesses over the last few months and the feedback that I receive is always slightly uh, different. There are uh, obviously concerns around people working uh, remotely and and what that means from a health and wellbeing um, perspective and also things like being able to engage with stakeholders and the trust that you're able to build face-to-face. I think that there are um, benefits to obviously working remotely. It means that you can have a fantastic job and um, and, and live in a different location. I think what we need to remember is that you need to be open to what your employer wants and also make consideration for things like do you do an annual trip or, or you know, a biannual trip where you're able to have that face-to-face time because I do really believe it is important as human beings for us to connect with each other face-to-face. And obviously... You know, for me, I feel really strongly that I love working. It's a big part of my life, as is being a mother. But I think for me, just being a mother, I wouldn't be as happy. And yet there are so many women who feel that there's this sort of either or kind of choice. Um, what, what broadly, I mean, obviously, apart from the sort of happiness and being able to spend time with, with our children, what are the benefits of, of flexible working, however that, that looks? Yes. So as you said, Marina, being able to to work and, and our identity is is so intrinsically connected to our careers and, and our ambition uh, as women. And and so you're able to fulfill and, and to get that same sense of satisfaction that, that we do from working and to follow our ambition or follow our life's work our life's mission Um, and at the same time you're also able to have time with family spend time with elderly parents or with our parents who aren't going to be around forever and I have I work with a number of women who are also doing additional study or a side project for example if I take myself uh, as as a case in point I work flexibly I'm doing at the moment a full-time uh, contract with an insurance company and they give me flexible hours so that I can continue to work on the women's vault which is is sort of a side hustle for me at the moment so it really enables you to do um, so many things and I'm able to to fulfill both of my passions and um and and enjoy it yeah and and presumably you know it's, there's a degree of 
being very attractive. If I was interviewing people for a post and someone like you came along and said, this is my passion, I've got this great project on the go, I really want to work for you, but I need a degree of flexibility. I'd regard that as a real positive. Here's someone with so much drive and determination and and thinking outside the box. I think, you know, for most employers, that would be a real asset. Absolutely. And I know even if I take myself as an example, again, I'm able to bring a whole lot of extra knowledge and skills to my role and actually to the business. So I'm working with different parts of the business that I would. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Normally work with in my traditional role had I not been doing this. And I find that when I am doing my day job, I'm I'm focused and clear and, and efficient and effective and coming up with new ideas and new concepts. And then when I'm working on my side hustle, I'm able to fulfill this other passion that I have, which is working with women and, and helping them and helping educate um, parents around things like flexible work, because I do think that 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 is so important and particularly if we are going to to have more women in leadership and and reach equality around that yeah um and and I mean we've talked about work-life balance in fact you've talked about sort of burnout but I think that's a really crucial part of it that that the importance of that work-life balance I think you know as a person as an employee you're much more likely to succeed in the workplace if you do have kind of found that balance and it's difficult to find but it's certainly kind of impossible if there's absolutely no flexibility in your work. Yes, absolutely. And burnout is very real. And I think a lot of women, we have seen an increase actually this year in women saying that they have, uh, they, they feel more burnt out and they feel that they have to be tethered to technology uh, more often since the pandemic. So there was a global study done by Deloitte that um, that looked into this and found that women are saying that they 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 feel that they always have to be connected and always have to be on, and that can create real issues um, around burnout because we're not getting the rest and recovery time that is needed. And if you're a working parent, you will know you cannot sleep in on a Sunday anymore. So actually, your rest and recovery has to be integrated into your week. And one of the things I do with with the women that I work with is we map out their schedule and look at what is that 30-minute pocket or one-hour pocket where they can meditate, read a book, go for a long walk, have some time for them. Because if you always wait until you have a holiday 
to take a break, you are in a cycle of burnout. So what I try to do is to help them to understand that you can have micro moments throughout your day and throughout your week where you're able to have rest and recovery so that you don't need to wait for those holidays. You actually feel energized every single day of the week. Yeah. Well, and there's also life admin, which invariably falls to women. You know, it's the buying the school uniform and the booking them in for the clubs and all of that, which takes so much time. Yes, yes, exactly. It can, um, we definitely need to share the load. And I think as women, we also carry that mental load, don't we? So it's harder for, for women to switch off because we're thinking about, have I booked the dentist? Have I made that appointment? Have, you know, I need to buy some new school shoes for my child. So I think that, that actually having those micro moments is, is, is crucially important. So I want to talk a little bit about how we actually achieve this. I'm sure that we've got lots of listeners who are thinking, gosh, I've never thought about this. And oh, my goodness, wouldn't it be so much easier if I could somehow be a little bit more flexible? And it's not a question of simply rocking up at, you know, HR and going, I only I can only work three days a week from now on. How are we going to do this? There are ways of asking so that you're more likely to get because your employer has to consider your request, don't they, for for flexible working? Yes, that's right, Marina. And one of the so there's there's a few different issues and it is quite complex. So let me make this simplified in some way. And there is a lot of grey in this area. Um, So let me just sort of simplify it and talk through all of the different aspects. So the first is as I mentioned earlier, businesses need to champion flexible work and that that culture does need to exist. It's often up to managers as well. So your manager can really make or break your flexible working arrangement. One of the most common objections I hear, and I was having a coffee with a fabulous employment lawyer uh, yesterday. She works on a lot of sex discrimination cases. And we both agreed that the the statement from businesses around we don't want to accept your flexible work request because we don't want to set a precedent is the most common objection that her and I both hear. We were in strong agreement around that. So essentially businesses are saying we don't want to set a precedent around flexible work requests because for some reason they think that the floodgates will open And lo and behold, we'll all be working staggered or compressed hours and so on. And the problem with this is that businesses lose their best talent, their best talent walks out the door, or they are no longer as committed. So when I'm working with women around this negotiation, and quite often I'm contacted after that request has been declined or rejected and women will get in touch with me saying, I think I'd like to go and renegotiate. Do you think I can do this? My answer, by the way, is always yes, always, always try to renegotiate. So what, what, but what I see is that you have people who are, have gone from working long hours, being really dedicated to their jobs to suddenly feeling incredibly demotivated and uninspired and questioning why they want to work there. And I, I worked with a woman last year who actually moved organisations because her employer would not accept her compressed hours request and she now has a fantastic job. 
elsewhere and you think, gosh, that organisation has really lost out there because that was a senior woman, um, she was their head of finance and she's now gone to another organisation. So this is a very, very real risk for businesses right now if they don't get on board, if they don't change their culture and if they don't make flexible work practices more available. On the other side of the coin is what you were describing, Marina, which is that sometimes we don't prepare fully for this conversation. And that is one of the typical patterns that I see when this negotiation falls down. And when I ask um, my client to explain what, what's happened until this point, give me the background. What they will say is that typically they've walked in, they've asked their manager for flexible hours, like they, they're asking for a holiday leave. It is a contractual-based discussion, and so therefore you need to prepare a business case and you need to set out the commercial reasons as to why this flexible work arrangement will work. And this is something that I work through with my clients, and it's actually a very useful exercise because it does build your commercial acumen and it does help you to for example, see yourself as an asset and see how you're going to make this work for your team, for your department, and how they are going to benefit from that. So a lot can happen throughout these conversations. And quite typically, what I'm seeing is that flexible work requests, they take time and often it can take several conversations. And you need to be really prepared for those conversations to negotiate and to renegotiate and and potentially for it for things to um, become quite challenging become quite tricky and quite often women will say but my employer says that they are flexible they 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 talk about in our annual report how we're a flexible organization what we see though is in reality is quite different and as I mentioned earlier quite often it can be up to your manager and at other times, it's up to the to the organisation. But it's really a good idea to think about what is your business case? How can I show that this can benefit the organisation? And um, how can I be clear on the process that I'm about to go through? Because it is quite a process. And that can also help with things like pay rise discussions. So I would say that that having any of these types of discussions and being very confident in them, you do have to be confident, is a fantastic exercise to go to go through because ultimately you are getting that flexibility to have that one day a week with your child, which in the long run is is going to be so important to you and it's what you will look back on. So it's a short-term pain or hopefully a short-term pain for a very long-term gain. Well, you're essentially pitching, you know, whatever you want, you know, whether it's a pay rise, whether it's more holidays, whether it's a full day week or compressed hours, you're basically saying this is why it's going to work. And if you're persuasive enough, they they do need to to listen to you. And exactly. And one of one of the, the things I often hear, Marina, is that sometimes the conversation will be opened up around how this benefits me and one thing I would suggest if, if you're listing and you're thinking about it, think about it the other way around. So how does it benefit the organisation and then how does it benefit me? 
yeah yeah and tell me you've got to be quite you've got to be prepared for difficult questions too I mean this isn't a sort of we're so polite especially in the UK that we often sort of shy away from kind of slightly more difficult questions but we've got to be prepared for those really difficult questions yes yes and one of those difficult questions is or or an objection is we don't want to set a precedent so how are we going to get around this And another one is how will this work for the team or what do you think the team will think? And if you're not prepared with those questions, then the negotiations can really fall over. I worked with a woman recently and um, she works for a major hotel group and she's now the first person there to be doing compressed hours. She works in their head office and she had to negotiate, renegotiate, renegotiate. And she said that it there's no way that she would have got through that process and and essentially her request going up the line to more and more senior people until she was meeting with the head of her department and and that person's HR director. She said she wouldn't have been able to do that had I not warned her that that could happen and had I not prepared her for some of the questions that were about to come her way. So it is important to really think through those carefully and what your responses to those would be. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like, you know, university interviews. <laughs> you know, yes. That's exactly what schools do. They prepare you for the really difficult, challenging um, university interviews so that if you if you experience it, you can deal with it rather than thinking, oh, I'm sure it'll be very nice. Yes, and I, and I think when you are a, a working parent, you are vulnerable, you're sleep deprived, you're exhausted, you're navigating a whole new world. So if there's anything that you can do to find other parents or find anyone else in your NCT group or your community who's been through this or contact me, then they that can be really helpful to hear or to even find someone else within your organisation that is working flexibly and ask them what the process was like for them. And don't be daunted by it, just understand that it is a process. Just like, as you said, asking for a pay rise, it's a process. Yeah. And also being the first to initiate, you know, often very entrenched practices is always going to be hard. I mean, look how hard the suffragettes had to work to get women the vote. You know, the change is always hard to elicit. Yes, yes. I, I My statement would be keep challenging the status quo, keep challenging it because you can do it. And I was the first person in my company to do compressed hours. And I felt like I had a spotlight on my head because I had so many people asking me about it. But I did also notice my team observing what time I came in and when I finished and all of those sorts of things. They wanted to know the ins and outs. And and that was quite uncomfortable to begin with. I didn't expect um, to have that profile but I certainly gained that profile and, and I felt I also, there was an, an enormous amount of pressure for me to do it well and to do my job well. And, and I went back to into a bigger role. So it was, it was tough, but I'm so glad I did it because now I know that there are other women working there who are doing compressed hours. So I carved the path for them and I would really encourage any working parent or any person to think about how can I challenge the status quo? How can I challenge the culture within my organization and ask the question and keep asking and, and not be afraid and and be confident so that 
for posterity reasons and for yourself, you are benefiting your organisation and for the other people that work within it. And, and, you know, the key actually is the people. This is not, you know, limited to women, actually. I think one thing that's been really lovely during the pandemic is that often for the first time, dads have spent a lot more time at home. My sister's a GP and she says what she's loved seeing over the past 18 months is that it's the dads that are starting to bring their children in for the routine vaccines. And they're as confident and as big a part of their lives as the, you know, mothers traditionally were. And actually, I think, you know, if it's going to increase quality of life and therefore potentially the output at work, you know, flexible working should be available and an accepted practice amongst, you know, parents of both sexes. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. We've, we've had more time as a family than, than we ever would have in in COVID. And and I expect you would have as well. And I think if we can encourage more men to work flexibly and there are many examples from what I'm, I'm seeing and hearing and, I think if men can continue to do it then or even start doing more different types of flexible work, perhaps that will also help to change the culture within organisations as well. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of ladies on the bump class who very often will say, I'm the first person in my company to take maternity leave. And that's partly because, you know, until then it was it was mainly, you know, women or the new company. And I just always say to them, you've got a big responsibility because you're sort of setting the tone. So your negotiation is is really, really important. Um, so, um, Olivia, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Women's Vault and um, about your initiative, what you're trying to achieve, and actually why you started it. Why what, You were obviously working in the financial services sector. Um, why did you end up starting the Women's Vault? Yes, it really started when when I had recently returned to work and it was my day off. It was one of my first Wednesdays off of doing a compressed work week. And I was sitting on our grey linen sofa feeding George. I was still breastfeeding at the time. He was only six months old. And my phone rang and it was my boss, which wasn't an unusual scenario to be contacted out of hours. And I, I answered it and she said, I need you to dial into this meeting in about 20 minutes and you need to be the key communications council advising our executive team on a very commercially sensitive issue. And it was like the sofa and the floor and everything fell out from under me because I was so shocked and taken aback and I had gone from that loving moment of connecting with your child and feeding them. And because I was back at work, those moments of doing that were so special. And and I put George in the bouncer. I tugged him off me. And I will never forget his face just sort of looking at me, thinking, Mum, what's just happened? I don't really understand. He didn't cry, thank goodness. But he looked at me with this bewildered expression And as I put him into his bouncer, I turned my computer on. And of course, it took ages for my computer to get started. And it was honestly like I was trying to read a couple of documents before this meeting that was Japanese. I just couldn't make sense of of what it was all about and this this very big issue um, that we were going to have to engage the 
the unions on, the government, the media on, you know, it was it was extremely sensitive. And also I had to get that advice right, you know, and I didn't have time to talk to my boss about it. She had to deal with a separate matter. And so that situation was so incredibly stressful and I had I was on this conference call with milk leaking from my breasts and gathering around my stomach and it gets really sticky I don't know if you remember but it gets really sticky and all over you and and George was still watching me while this was all going on and it was the most one of the most stressful days of my life I had adrenaline charging through my body and and I was faced with a dilemma of I need to be in two places at once and how do I juggle my career that I love, a job that I loved, a boss who I really respected and how do I juggle having a child and having a six-month-old baby and succeeding in my job and doing compressed hours. And so this situation that I found myself in really led me to think, and to realize that I needed to be in two separate places at once. I needed to, or I wanted to continue working in a job that I loved, a career that I loved, and I needed to be with my six-month-old baby. And I felt torn in two. And this led me to really think about, well, how how do we do this? How on earth do women do this? And um, And really it then led me to think about things like setting boundaries and working on my personal brand and working on my confidence, which was quite low and a whole lot of other things. And this then led me to create a course for women around returning to work. It's the course that I wish I had when I was returning to work. And women then started getting in touch with me saying, can you can you help me? Can you coach me? Can you mentor me? And that has now led to me working with women individually um, on things like pay rises, promotions, negotiating flexible work, being the most confident version of themselves so that they can be happy, doing the mum juggle effectively and not leaving themselves till last. And I also work with businesses as well now. So Uh, everything from advising them around flexibility and compressed hours and how they can make this a flexible work option through to workshops and speaking events. So I'm often asked to uh, come and speak at women's networks events uh, or do things like personal branding uh, masterclasses or or return to work um, programs. I'm I'm doing a return to work program with a law firm uh, at the moment. So there is lots of exciting things um, in the pipeline and I, I'm also delighted to be uh, working with you on creating some content um, for the women who do the bump class um, as well with you, Marina. So um, I think the more that we can have conversations around work and life, then that will lead to us really getting ahead with women in leadership fair pay and flexibility well uh olivia thank you so much it's so great what you do i always feel you know i talk about this briefly on the bump class and it just sort of make the point like if you are hoping to return to work really give it as much thought as possible don't don't make it a sort of oh i'll just 
you know, plop back into the workplace as and when, because you, the more you think about it, the more likely it is to be a success. And um, I think it is a it is a really you know great thing to be able to be a, a working parent. Um, how if people want to get hold of you, um, how do they find out a bit more about the Women's Vault? Yes, they can follow me on Instagram on at the Women's Vault or on my website, which is www.thewomensvault.com. And, um, and I would love to, to hear from anyone. And, and I'm always happy to help with any flexible work uh, discussions. Um, or even if you just want to be confident again in yourself, then, then that's certainly possible too. Perfect. Well, Olivia, thank you so much for uh, coming on the, the Parenthood. Thank you all for downloading this episode. You can subscribe, rate and review wherever you found this podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram. I'm at marina.fogel. But in the meantime, from Alira and me, thank you for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.